All right. All right. Well, welcome to the Planetary Powers and Influences Masterclass. Uh, in this lesson, we're going to be talking about... Oh, ooh, I can't even go that far yet. All right. So let me just start with this. Welcome to the Sacred Rhythm Astrology Mentorship Course. So good to have you here. Um, in this class, we're going to be talking about the powers and the influence that the, the planets have. And I wanted to start off with a couple quotes. So Hippocrates says that a healer without the knowledge of astrology has no right to call himself a healer. There is one common flow, one common breathing, and all things are in symphony. And this is the Greek physician known as the father of medicine. So back in the day, astrology used to be something that physicians had to learn. And one would not call themselves a healer or a doctor unless they were also an astrologer. So I think it's really important and, and great that you're here to learn the foundations of this work because essentially it's connected to alchemy, it's connected to medicine and um, vitality. So JP Morgan also said that anyone can become a millionaire, but to become a billionaire, you need an astrologer. This is a really, really popular quote um, from someone that helped to build America. So kind of behind the scenes that he was an astrologer. So even if you don't want to heal people, astrology can help you to make money. So just starting off with the foundations of how uh, astrology works, you can see the future trajectory of what this work could do by knowing the parts and how to work with them. So in this class, we're going to talk about the Thema Mundi, which is called the birth chart of the world and how that relates to where all the meanings of the signs come from, the planets, the aspects. Um, and, and that is basically the foundational teaching tool uh, that dates all the way back from 4,000 years ago, um, which gives us the entire understanding of how astrology and the, the planets and the signs are all connected. And from that, we're going to talk about the significance of domicile rulership, which are the planets that are in their home signs. We're also going to talk about aspect theory and quadruplicities or modalities where we get um, the different elements and the different, um, yeah, modalities are the cardinal, the fixed, and the mutable. So that we'll talk about. We'll talk about the concept of sect and how that affects your planets in your chart and how to you know, see how things are working. And we'll also calculate your mutant so that you know who the final ruler of your chart this is also known as the final dispositor um, in a dispositor tree. And I like to call this planet your planetary muse or your planetary guardian, and you may have more than one. So the Thema Mundi, we're into the juice already. So the Thema Mundi translates to the birth chart of the world or the nativity of the cosmos. And it is a foundational teaching tool from Hellenistic, the Hellenistic astrology tradition. It is the blueprint for how the system works in a simple, symbolic form. Many of the rules that you need to know about astrology can be realized and remembered in studying this chart. So as you can see, the chart begins with a cancer rising with the moon on the ascendant. So at the moment of the birth of the earth, as we know it today, it is believed that all of the planetary rulers of the zodiac signs were at home, which is what yielded such a powerful and lasting creation. The moon is positioned in the east where the celestial bodies rise every day. 
The East is symbolic of the energy of air, of breath, and of life. So this section of the chart is what we call the first place and the ascendant where we have the East, which is the left side of the chart. The moon is on the ascendant of the chart because the moon, the feminine energy that receives light from the sun, the masculine, gives life, births life on earth. The moon is the mother of earth. Like if we just had the sun and all the other planets, we might be pretty hot and toasty. The moon cools us and, and actually gives us all the rhythms of the plants and our hormones and all of that. So the moon is really responsible for our embodiment here. So that is why in this chart, the moon rises. The moon is the first thing that we see. And the rising sign also depicts what the being is like. So everyone on this planet is ruled by the moon and is emotional and it is seen in this chart. So cancer is the season associated with the beginning of summer. It's the cardinal water sign, the cardinal season that starts summer when everything is growing. And this season is thought to be ruled by the moon because it shows that, that energy of fullness of, of, of life the beginning of life coming to a peak. The sun is associated with the peak of the hottest season of the, of the year in the Northern hemisphere, which is Leo season. And it sits next to the moon because together the masculine, the sun and the feminine, the moon created the world. So the sun and the moon are thought of as luminaries and they have like a special power in our life. So they, they begin the chart um, the sun is also in the second place of what we value, um, which we'll talk more about the places in the next class. But um, it's kind of interesting, the symbolic meaning of the theme of Mundi and, and the sun being in this, the place of, of values. Um, because, you know, every day we, when we wake up, we, we thank the sun. You know, we thank the sun for the food, for the sunlight, um, for the energy that it gives us. So um, the other planets that you see in the theme of Mundi are associated, are assigned their placement due to their relative speed and distance from the sun, which we'll also explore in, in future lessons. Like we'll actually look at how far is Mercury literally, how far is Venus literally. But if you look on, you know, um, a map of the, of the sky, Mercury circles the sun and is the closest to the sun. So there it is in the theme of Mundi. Uh, Venus is the second farthest, Mars is the third, Jupiter is the fourth, and Saturn the last. So in the theme Mundi, you have all the planets aligning in their, their relationship to the sun. And let me see, here we go. Yeah, so we can go to the next slide, and we're going to talk about planets in their home sign, in their domicile. So planets are thought to serve as rulers or the maintainers or the owners of these field positions in the sky. They also have rulership of the sign exactly adjacent to them, except for their opposite expression. So they also have rulers of the same sign. They also have rulership of the same sign exactly adjacent to them, except in their opposite energetic expression. So we'll take Mercury, for example. Uh, Mercury in Virgo is the yin expression of Mercury. And then exactly adjacent across the chart, we see Mercury and Yang ruling Gemini. And we do that with Venus. And then it starts with Yang Venus and moves over to Yin Venus. 
um, over in Taurus. And it goes all the way back and forth, back and forth where Jupiter and Sag ruling yin and yang. And then at the end, we have Saturn and Capricorn and Saturn and Aquarius right next to each other, but in their yin and yang expressions. So these signs of the zodiac are thought to alternate in their yin and yang expression, making cross pairs from one another that are yin and yang. The sun and the moon are considered luminaries and only rule one sign we see them assigned to in the, th the Thema Mundi. So because they're considered luminaries, they their main responsibility is just to give that light and to give that light to, you know, um, feed the season that they're connected to. But the other planets kind of have a dual responsibility because they're also feeding off the light and can... I guess move around a little bit more. They have they don't actually produce the light, um, but they they influence our consciousness throughout throughout the wheel throughout the seasons. So so each planet is assigned a feminine and a masculine expression. You notice I say planet because the luminaries, the moon is only yin and the sun is only yang. But if we talk about the planets, they each are assigned a yin and yang expression. And the signs of the zodiac were thought um, as literal houses or domiciles of the planets. What modern astrologers call houses were referred to as places in astrology. So like the house of Gemini is Mercury's house. Like the, the sign is actually thought of as a house where Mercury lives. Mercury owns. Mercury is the landlord of that place. And traditionally what we think of as a house, we say as a house, is really a place. So in the next class, we're going to talk about the places, your rising sign, your sixth place, your 10th place. We often call those houses, though. But, you know, it's kind of interchangeable. But just so you know how the terminology works. So the planets are shown in this diagram are thought to be at home and in these positions. They're thought to be at home in these positions. And so they are thought of as the domicile ruler or quite literally the landlord of that sign, the lord or the ruler of that sign. Planets in their home signs are thought to be in environments that suit them best, where they can function comfortably and confidently. A, place at, a planet at home is thought to be positive due to the optimal angle of the energetic connection to the luminaries as illustrated by the Thema Mundi. So when the planets are in their domicile, um, when planets are in the domicile of another ruler, the guest planet is thought to depend on the host planet or the domicile ruler for support. So let's say Venus is in um, Gemini in transit. This is thought of as a guest planet in Mercury's home. So sometimes the host will support the guest and other times the, the, the host may not support the guest depending on the perspective that the host planet has on the guest planet from where the host is sitting in the chart. And we will talk more about this in a future lesson. Um, and well, it's really just about the aspects and the angles. So we'll actually talk about this in this lesson just a little later on. So basically what I'm saying is that planets can be in certain signs and be like exalted or they could be in a place of depression and we'll see why that is later on but it's just important to note because the reason for that is the view that that planet has on another planet when it's not home or how it relates so we're going to jump to the quadruplicities and modalities 
And this is coming from all of the different um, qualities of the season. So just as the origin story links to the season, so does the idea of the different sign modalities and basic expressions. In Hellenistic astrology, the cardinal signs are called the tr uh, tropical or movable signs. So we often think of like Aries, Cancer, Libra, Capricorn as the cardinal signs, but these are also known as the tropical signs because they are on the tropic of, um, I forget what we call this, tropic of Cancer, tropic of Capricorn, um, where there are specific longitude and latitude on the planet where we get the beginning of a season. These are also considered movable planets. They get things moving very quickly. So they are thought to be quick, changeable, and able to get things started, but are not so good at finishing them. In Hellenistic astrology, the fixed signs were also called solid signs. And they are the ones that are more likely to maintain stamina over long periods of time. And they're also more slow to change. So the fixed signs are Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. In Hellenistic astrology, the mutable signs were called double-bodied signs. They are the ones that are more fluid and ambiguous. They embody the energy of both wrapping things up and preparing to start something else. So they, they have to work with the fixed energy and changing into the next phase. And they also have to prepare for the cardinal energy. So this is why they're called double-bodied, these um, mutable signs. You'll notice on the chart here that um, these signs all square each other. And um, yeah, that's just kind of an important thing to note. Squares, as we will see, are uh, very changeable energies, which, uh, yeah, they all kind of relate to each other from a very dominant, direct point of view. So we're going to go to my favorite part of this lecture, which is called the planetary ladder. And this is also known as the caduceus of medicine. So the caduceus of medicine links directly to the Thema Mundi and is referred to as the planetary ladder. So on this chart, you'll see that there is the yin energy in blue, and this source is from the moon. So if you look at the top of the chart, you'll see Cancer, and Cancer is ruled by the moon. It weaves over to Virgo, and then to Taurus, and then to Scorpio, and then to Pisces, and then to Capricorn. And then if we start with the sun and the yang energy with Leo, it moves over to, Mer to Mercury and Gemini, Venus and Libra, Mars and Aries, Jupiter and Sag, and Saturn and Aquarius. So let me see what I wrote here. Here the planets are in the center and the signs of the zodiac that are, they rule are spread out along the wheel, the same as they would be in a traditional astrological wheel. It's just kind of moved in a way where you can see um, those, those energetic alignments and how they match that caduceus of medicine. So um, with the energies peaking at the top to create the energy of vitality. So yeah, it goes from, the caduceus of medicine starts with Saturn, starts with that distant energy, and then it weaves, 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 weaves all the way to the top to the luminaries. And this is why we see in ancient Egypt this kind of symbol. We see it in medicine because what it's talking about is the yin and yang energies that move up the spinal column, which is that center pole, um, and how the luminary energy um, peaks and, and gives us life. So it's just... One of my favorite realizations of this work and 
um, how it's so, so important as we know in holistic medicine to balance the yin and the yang. So the basic nature of the aspects also comes from the Thema Mundi. So planets in their domicile positions um, show directly the meaning and feelings of the meaning and feeling of the aspects that we see in charts. So sextiles are ruled by Venus. If we look at the moon and this blue line over to Venus, there's a 60 degree angle over to Venus and the same thing with the sun to Venus. So sextiles are, are described as uh, qualities of Venus. So sextiles are very um, good for socializing. They are really good when you want things to go smoothly. You don't want there to be any drama. You, you, you often experience like throughout your day on sextile days with, with transits, um, just this energy of like trust and love and patience maybe beauty and art, all the things that Venus represents. So if you have sextiles in your birth chart or you see sextiles in transit, like the moon is sextiling the sun, or you might have Mercury sextiling your Saturn the, like in transit, these kinds of sextile aspects are what um, bring, a bit, bring an element of soothing to the chart and to your, your expansion. Whereas if we look at Mars, Mars is exactly 90 degrees from the luminaries in the Thema Mundi and in their domicile rulership places. Um, so squares are ruled by Mars. And Mars is the energy of change. Mars is the energy of decision-making, of action, of something new coming from fearlessness, from needing to take action. And that's why I was saying when we're looking at the the as the uh, quality the quadruplicities and the modalities, there's a square. I didn't want to give it away, but squares are ruled by Mars. Squares are ruled by something changing, and that is why we see all the seasons in pairs of three and uh, squaring one another, because that that allows for there to be a change that we as humans, as beings on this planet, we cannot control. It's just something that happens. So squares are ruled by Mars and the same thing if you have squares in your birth chart or in transit you're going to notice that there's some tension or um what we also want to consider I wonder I think I'll talk about this now so I don't have this in the lecture directly but I think it's in the next it's in the next lecture but we will we'll just briefly talk about it Basically, when we're looking at planets and their aspects to one another, and essentially these are um, points of view that the planets have. It's like if you and I are in a conversation, I'm directly across from you, like there's you on your side, me on me, my side. It's very different if you were sitting right next to me or if you were over there or if you were 60 degrees away or maybe over there. It's just a different energetic view um, that we have of one another. So the planets in their view of one another, if there's a square, it's like an energy of like someone's watching me or there's like an energy of, um, it's like a protective force too. These squaring all the cardinal energy, cardinal directions, they are protective. Mars is the warrior and, and stands to protect. So yeah, we'll go more into, I forget what the traditional like, terminology is for it but it's basically like 
the idea that um, the planets work like our eyes do. And we have blind spots in our eyes and we have places where we can see very directly. But the experience of that view is different depending on where the subject is. So moving on, we see that um, trines are ruled by Jupiter. And you can see that the moon and the sun are exactly 120 degrees away from those signs. So when you have a transit or um, a trine in your birth chart, this is going to connect you to the energy of Jupiter and all the things that Jupiter represents. So an abundance mindset, optimism, um, wanting to learn or to teach other people, wanting to be a good example. It could also be being over opt overly optimistic or gluttonous or um, full of themselves. Like Jupiter is the biggest planet in the universe, so it knows its place. And that, that can cause... Um, some work and karma to kind of bring bring one down to size. And then finally, we have oppositions, which are ruled by Saturn. <clears throat> and you'll see that exactly directly from the sun is Saturn in Aquarius and the moon in Saturn and Capricorn. So oppositions are ruled by the energy of Saturn and Saturn rules boundaries. It rules um, discipline and structure and... Um, government, rejection, a lot of different things. But when you're in an opposition with someone, uh, there's there's an energy of me versus you. So Saturn has that quality as well. And when we think about oppositions, we don't have to necessarily think that um, they can't be alchemized. Like Saturn, Saturn has this really bad rap. But when we learn what the qualities of Saturn represent, then we can learn how to address it and, and feel empowered by that kind of dynamic. Because if it weren't for Saturn in the far distance from the sun and the moon, we wouldn't be here and we wouldn't have the kind of logic that we, we operate with. So determining sect. So there's also a concept in astrology, which is very important in Hellenistic astrology. And sect is the basic distinction between day and night charts. So sect divides the planet into two sects, factions, or teams. So the sun leads the day team, and the moon leads the night team. You can tell whether or not you have a day or a night chart based on if your sun is below the descendant or above the ascendant, as shown in this diagram. And if the sun is above the ascendant or the horizon or the horizon when you were born and you have a day chart. And if the sun was below the descendant or the horizon when you were born, then you have a night chart. You can also tell by the day time of day, generally, you know, if the sun would have risen or set by the time you were born. So the, the diagram, sorry, where do we go? So the planets on the sun's team are Jupiter and Saturn, and the planets on the moon's team are Venus and Mars. The diagram presented here points out another important aspect in astrology, which is that there are benefic or positive uh, life-affirming planets or malefic and negative destructive planets. So basically here we have the sun, we have the dineural team, which is the sun team, the day team, dineural. The greater benefic on the sun's team is Jupiter. The, the malefic on the sun's team is Saturn. 
And Mercury is neutral until we see where Mercury was when you were born. And we'll check that out in the next slide. But basically what this is saying is that there are positive energies and negative energies. And if you have a day chart, Mars is going to be more malefic because it's not on the, the, the team of your, your sect ruler. And Venus is going to be less benefic. So if you're born during the day, um, Venus is less benefic. Jupiter is more benefic. Mars is, is more malefic. And Saturn is less malefic. And if you're born during the nighttime, the moon is your sector ruler. Venus is most benefic. Mars is less malefic. Jupiter is less benefic. And Saturn is more malefic. So this helps us to see uh, basically where you might come into challenges in your life. Like uh, I'm born during the nighttime and Saturn is more malefic in my birth chart, but Venus and Mars are more positive. And, and I see that in my life, you know, and, and it helps to reconcile where there might be more weight or less pressure based on the sect. Um, so yeah, I think that's it on that. Yeah, so we'll move to the sect of Mercury. So I just want to read here, the luminary that is in favor boosts the qualities of the corresponding planets of that team. So we kind of went over that, but basically if the, the planets on that sex team, they get, they get extra points. They're more uh, forgiving or uh, wise. So the sect of Mercury is determined on where your Mercury was when you were born. So it's determined by whether or not Mercury is a morning or an evening star. If Mercury rises before the sun, then he is on the team of, uh, and he is on the sun's team as a morning star. But if he sets after the sun, then he is on the moon's team as an evening star. So interesting. We'll look into that. And in, in, well, I encourage you to look into it in your chart. And um, we'll look into it if you are a private mentee. So we're jumping now to the essential dignities. And this table is the main essential dig dignities taken into consideration when analyzing a chart. Essential dignities describe the different expressions of a planet um, based on where they are in the zodiac. So the column of the domicile lists the planets in their home sign, which we covered just now. The planets in the detriment column show the signs in the planets that are thought to be energetically compromised as a result of being directly opposite of their home sign. So when they're directly opposite the home sign, it's considered their detriment. The two other columns we have are exaltation and fall. A planet is in its exaltation and, uh, and is thought to be treated like an honored guest by the domicile ruler of that sign. But when a planet is in its fall position, it is thought to be treated more like a servant by the domicile ruler. So detriment and fall are um, more challenging positions, whereas exaltation is like high honor and domicile is most in control. So we'll go into why now. So we look at the exaltations diagram and in case you're wondering why is the planet so special in a domicile of uh, an exaltation position, 
Um, my teacher, Chris Brennan, decoded the story behind this from a lot of ancient texts that he studied. It was a bit of a mystery before um, he put it together, from what I understand. So as it goes, if a planet is seen in its place of exaltation, then it, it if a planet is in its place of exaltation, then it can see its house guest as preferred aspect at, by its, I'm sorry, if a planet is in its place of exaltation, then it can see its house guest by its preferred aspect according to sect. So like Jupiter is in its exaltation in Cancer. And Jupiter, when it's in Cancer, can see Pisces by a trine. Jupiter rules Pisces. So if Jupiter is in Cancer, it can see its home sign. That is why it's in its exaltation, because it still has a view of its home sign. Whereas the sun is in its exaltation in Leo because it can see its home sign by a trine. Because the sect, like the sun, um, the sect is, well, the, the benefic of that sect of the sun's team is Jupiter. So the trine is what gives it that energy of positivity and exaltation. Whereas Saturn um, can, is in its exaltation in Libra because it can see Aquarius by trine. And then if we look at the moon, Venus, and Mars and their exaltation positions, the sect aspect that is in favor is a sextile because Venus is the planet that is most benefic, benefic according to that sect. So the moon is in its exaltation in Taurus because it can see the sign of cancer when it is in that sign. Venus is in its exaltation in, in Pisces because it can see its home sign of Taurus by sextile. And Mars is in, in exaltation in Capricorn because it can see its home sign of Scorpio from that sign. Really interesting kind of um, logic. Because <laughs> you wouldn't really think of that until you know the sect and you know which which uh, benefic is in charge. And that really gives us more of that underlying information. So the exaltations and depressions. So the fall planetary positions are opposite of the sign of exaltation, which is pretty straightforward. Let's see, exaltations and depressions. So yeah, um, the chart on the right is really what we're going to look at now. Um Wait, depressions. Hold on a sec. Depressions or detriments is another word for it. Depressions, detriment. Hang on a sec. Yes. So the, a sign is in its detriment or its depression when it's in the opposite sign of its exaltation. It's pretty straightforward. So when we're looking at planets in the birth chart, planets of a moment, planets in transit, and they're entering any of these signs, you want to check, is it at home? Is it in detriment? Is it in fall? Is it an exaltation? Is it in any other sign where it doesn't matter? It's like those four categories really provide a lot more insight. Um, when it's not in any of these places, um, it's a little bit more neutral, but we find that these places are kind of like hot points in transit or in the birth chart. 
Okay, so that, that's that's the that's the meat of this particular class. There are more um, zodiacal divisions that we'll get into, like Egyptian bounds and the decans, which give us more information, uh, which you can also use to grade your planets and see who's strongest. But when it comes to calculating the Almutan according to this medieval tradition, you really just work with if the planet is at home and who rules it. So we're going to just walk through a couple examples of how to find who the ruler is. And I encourage you to boil down your chart to its planetary rulers and see what kind of archetypal energy you are coming with. So to calculate your Almutan and draw your dis final dispositor tree, you're gonna choose any planet in your birth chart to start with and define the domicile ruler of that sign. If a planet is in its domicile, circle it and go to the next planet. If a planet is in another sign besides its domicile, define who rules that sign and then go to the next planet. Link the planets that report to the same ruler until you have a final dispositor or a mutant or you have several dispositors. And you might have a dispositor because there's no, there's no planets at home and then you have a dispositor because it's in its exaltation. But your final dispositor is um, the planet that is ideally at home or in exaltation. So we're going to work with Beyonce to start. Um, and we can look at her sun first. So her sun is in Virgo, uh, which is ruled by Mercury. Now her Mercury, her Saturn, her Jupiter, her Venus are all in Libra. So Venus rules Libra and her Venus is at home. The moon is in Scorpio, which is ruled by Mars. Her Mars is in Leo, which is ruled by the sun. So if we click to the next page and we move these planets in order, we see the moon ruled by Mars, ruled moon in Scorpio, ruled by Mars. Mars in Leo, ruled by the sun. Sun in Virgo, ruled by Mercury. Mercury and all of these planets, including Saturn, Jupiter, and Venus are in Libra. And Venus is at home in Libra. So Venus is the final dispositor Venus and Libra is the final dispositor of Beyonce's chart and is her planetary muse. And Venus is the strongest planet because it is in her domicile. So we can look at where Venus is in her birth chart and it is exactly to the degree conjunct her rising sign, which rules the body and um, beauty. Venus is the planet of beauty and we know Beyonce from a very young age being you know, a superstar and someone that is a, a feminine um, archetype in pop culture. And I just think it's really interesting that her, her lifelong planetary chart ruler is conjunct the, uh, the ascendant, which is really, really powerful. So we have one more example and this is of Jeff, Jeff Bezos. And Jeff Bezos has a, the Sun, Mars, Mercury, and Capricorn, and Capricorn is ruled by Saturn. His Saturn and Venus are in Aquarius, uh, which is ruled by Saturn. His Moon is in Sag, which is ruled by Jupiter, and his Jupiter is in Aries, which is ruled by Mars. So if we move the planets again so we can see them a little bit clearer on the next slide, we see the Moon in Sag ruled by Jupiter. Jupiter in Aries ruled by Mars. Sun, Mars, Mercury, and Capricorn ruled by Saturn. Saturn, Venus, and Aquarius. The final dispositor is then Saturn. 
So Jeff Bezos, um, even in planet, and I wrote her, his planetary muse is Saturn. And it is the strongest planet because it is in his domicile. So we can look if, where is the sun? He has a day chart. So not only is, um, you know, Saturn in Aquarius at home, but Saturn is uh, of the, the sect in favor, uh, meaning that Saturn gets that boost because it's a day chart. So we see the sun is in the 10th house of career and Saturn is the planet that rules the government or connecting to society in a really, really broad way, kind of governing the way things work. Um, and as we know, um, Jeff Bezos is the owner of Amazon, which like rules the world now. And um, yeah, I just find that also to be very interesting. Saturn is um, the planet that changes generations and affects us in the longest timelines um, of any other planet than um, outside of, you know, the outer planets. So interesting to see who your final dispositors are because when you find your final dispositor, it might not seem like it's that influential, but when you look at these kind of chart examples, you're like, well, well. yeah. And his Saturn, which is the final dispositor is in the 11th house of community and um, associations and really the world, the connections that you make around the world. So very appropriate. So my final ask or encouragement is for you to calculate your all mutant and to let us know how it goes. And, you know, if you're listening to the replay to let us know in the comments, let me know if you have any questions and um, yeah, I hope you learned a lot from this, this lecture um, on the planetary flowers and influences. Um, you can join us at starrylime.com if you want to join the program and see what this is all about and take the year long journey with us. Um, here are the citations for this lecture. If you want to go into some of the books and resources from this talk and the next talk is going to be on the motives and modalities, which is really connecting us to the meanings of where we get our motivation from um, based on the rising sign of our birth chart. We're going to talk about all about the places or the houses as we know them today. And that is going to be on May 1st at 7 p.m. when the Sun and Mercury are aligned in their Kazemi in Taurus. It's going to be a really powerful day to do some grounding work um, in relation to how we connect to Earth. So, yeah, thank you for being here. It was great to do this lecture and I look forward to having you in the next one. Yay, you made it to the end. Congratulations. You've completed the masterclass on the planetary powers and influences of the Starry Alignment Sacred Rhythm Astrology Mentorship Program. If you are not yet a member of this amazing program, I invite you to go check it out at starryalignment.com. It's just $18 a month to get the journal prompts, embodiment practices, all these videos housed in one place. You also get written transmissions of all of these modules, as well as the actual slides, all of the resources that come with where the information is coming from. You get client case studies with every single module and you get the Starry Alignment Quick Guides, which make reading your birth chart so much easier and seamless. So all of that for just $180 one-time payment or $18 a month. You can learn more at StarryAlignment.com. And if you're interested in becoming a private mentee for just an additional $360 for the year, where you can meet with me every single month for one hour, one-on-one -on -one private, whether in person or online, 
go to starryalignment.com and I would love to have you as a private mentee. But I invite you to move quickly and save your seat because there are not many as privates can fill up really quickly. We only have so much time in a day. If you enjoyed this content, be sure to subscribe, like, and share. You know, it goes a very, very long way. All right. And until we meet again, may you live in alignment now and always.